0: Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, through three games, there's no better wide receiver than DeAndre Hopkins. We'll break down the numbers. Speaking of numbers, how about the numbers Andy Isabella is putting up? Perhaps he's turned the corner. Plus, we go inside the NFC West. How did the rest of the division, the best division in football, fare in week three? It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 321, and it starts now. Here on this Tuesday, I've given myself 24 hours to get over what happened on Sunday. So much like the players, I'm moving on to Carolina.
1: You know, I, I, I enjoyed your passion yesterday. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to yell fire in a the theater, and but you're exactly right, though. I mean, when you look at the schedule and you go on the road and you get a, a really impressive win against a team that represented the conference last year. And then you come back and you take care of business against the Washington football teams. And you're like, okay, good teams find ways to win. And we'll get into the details about the turnovers. There were some bright spots here. But you were fired up, and you're right. There's only 16 of these, and you get you, you just can't let one slip away. Or And we know it's the NFL. Any, anything can happen any given Sunday. But I felt like the Cardinals were the better team uh, going into that game. And they had an opportunity to win, unfortunately you got to give Matt Patricia and Matthew Stafford credit because they made the plays when they had to.
0: I mentioned it on the Red Sea Report with Bertrand Berry. You don't want to give away games. And I think the Cardinals gifted that game on Sunday with the three turnovers. If it's taken away from you, that's one thing. A better team, Yes. But for those 60 minutes, the Lions were a better team, but I don't think overall if you look at the entire season, whether what happens on the field, certainly on the on paper, the roster is not a better roster than what the Arizona Cardinals have. So yes, it was one game, and now if you just put it behind you and string a couple of more before that Monday night contest against the Dallas Cowboys, I'll certainly take 4-1 and one and and look forward.
1: Yeah, I, but Detroit was the better team that day. Correct, I agree with you. But you know, we know that it comes down to execution, blocking, tackling, uh, protecting the football, converting on third downs. And if you just look at the stats, take away the time of possession and what they did in the fourth quarter, Cardinals had more first downs. They were more efficient uh, in certain areas. But at the end of the day, it's you know what the score says. So, um, you know, I don't think it's going to derail their season. I, I think it, it could be a wake up call. Um, and I think when you got great leaders in that locker, and you know, starting with Corey Peters, he was pissed, uh, and and that's the right word to use. Um, so I, I think when you lose like this, as uh, Chase Edmonds pointed out when you win, some stuff gets under, goes underneath the rug and it's not discussed when you lose. And he said there needs to be a sense of urgency and, and focus and negative plays and just little things that hopefully you can overcome because it's a long season, but we know when you get to the end of the September. That's 25% of your season.
0: Yeah, Edmonds talked about taking a, quote, critical look, end quotes, at not only yourself, but the entire picture, offense, defense, and special teams, and that's what you do after a loss, and that's what the Cardinals stand here on this Tuesday. Yes, the Lions were the better team. Now, no one has been better than DeAndre Hopkins at catching the football. MJ, he is off to... One of his best starts in his career, and I think the best start in his career. He leads the league in catches with 32 and receiving yards with 356. He's only got the one touchdown, but what he has done and the relationship that he has with Kyler Murray right out of the gate, we're talking three games, no preseason, very little practice time in training camp, and that was a concern for a lot of people myself included. Hey, you know what? How do you get on the same page if you're not practicing? Well, throw all that out the window because a good wide receiver, dare I say, a great wide receiver that Hopkins is, Maybe he doesn't need a lot of time. Maybe just because of his skill set, he steps on the field ready to go, and we've seen that so far through three games.
1: Yeah, and to me, it was just, you know, they, they spent some time in Texas, you know, four or five days, and then they didn't have the opportunity to spend any time in the offseason, and then they had the ramp-up period, but You know, you're talking about one of the best wide receivers in football. And look at the numbers over the last three years. He's in the same conversation with Michael Thomas and Julio Jones and I'm sure Mike Evans and Odell Beckham. Um, Those guys right now are below him. I mean, he's on pace for – 1900 yards, yeah. Officially, it's that's projection based on what he's done. Correct, I, I think we're looking at more 14 to 1500 yards. Um, he usually gets between 9, 10, and 11 touch on. He has one right now, he probably should have scored another one. Um, but this is what you, they went out and got a number one wide receiver. It, it, it's not even close when it comes to him and getting the targets, and I think it's going to continue, and you know. I always mention this because I think it was comical after the first game. I asked somebody in the organization, you think he's going to get 16 targets again this weekend? And they said, well, if teams aren't going to cover him, we're going to throw it to him.
0: And That's the thing because I don't know how many times, whether it's a short pass or he goes out for an eight-yard hook or comes back across the middle – There is very rarely a defender in the picture. If you're watching it on television, you don't see the other color uniform. They're playing off of him for whatever reason, and I don't know why. I understand you don't want to get beat deep, but it's not like he has this incredible 4-3 speed that you're worried about getting left at the line of scrimmage. So if I'm opposing defensive coordinators, my first correction, if I'm the Panthers, the Jets, the Cowboys, so on and so forth, I'm getting up to that line of scrimmage. I'm being a little bit physical with Hopkins.
1: Well, I, I think, you know, when you start looking at a snake, it starts at the quarterback position. I mean, that's the guy. But with the fact is they line him on the outside, at, on the X. He's usually on the left side. And they can have, you know, two wide receivers on the right side. So, all of a sudden, the safety has to make a decision. Am I going to give over-the-top help? He's skinny, so you're really not going to get a chance to press him at the line. He's kind of wiry. And Craig, going into that game, I want to say he had six of seven catches behind the line of scrimmage. And if he gets, he makes the first guy miss, he tiptoes down the sidelines. So it's fascinating that they finally have an ex-receiver. Yeah, it's not about separation. He gets off press coverage because he's wiry, and he's able to get open. And the back shoulder fade, the slant passes, the bubble screens. I mean, he's he's perfect for what Cliff Kingsbury wants in this offense. His
0: yards after catch is fun to watch because he's breaking tackles but more than that he's making guys miss and he's almost like a a video game a pinball machine and that ball bouncing off the different paddles because he's not going down on first contact he's not afraid of contact but he is making guys look silly and turning a quick screen for maybe two or three yards doubling that tripling that getting the first down moving the stick so that to me through these first three games that has been the most fun because we watch deandre hopkins we watch all these players but we just see highlights and nine times out of ten it's the deep passes or the 50 yard plays or the touchdowns you don't see all the hard work that goes into those plays and those are the shorter passes in which they're really working
1: Well, I mean, he's just crafty at his position. I mean, he's been in the league long enough. Um, I'm sure he knows, you know, he doesn't get a lot of uh, pass interference calls. He doesn't push off. So you give him credit. I mean, if you look at his first eight years in the league and look at Larry's eight years, first eight years in the league, very similar. Larry may have more touchdowns, but the the yardage is close to 8,000. So he's really crafty, and you could tell he studies film. Um, he looks at what defenses he I mean I'm sure on his iPad he's got every single corner that he could face if not the second one on every team and what are their tendencies and and he does a good job scouting I know Larry has at least 10 wide receivers in his iPad that he watches every week just to see if he can find something they're doing against a Tredavious White you know he'll, he'll look at some you know Uh, Film that's playing the bills a lot because he wants to see what Travis White is doing, but he also learns what the wide receivers are doing. So uh, there are students of the game, and that's what makes those guys great.
0: Now, we don't do a lot of math here on this show. It's kind of that Paul Calvisi mantra, (laughs) we don't do numbers. Yet when you look at his catches and yards receiving, you break it down. He's only averaging just over 11 yards a catch. So it's not like 20, 25, those big plays haven't happened a lot. There was that one 33-yarder that just fell short of a touchdown. So it's not the big plays yet, but perhaps that's just the product of how defenses right now are looking at this offense willing to give up the short plays have the cardinals go eight nine ten eleven yards down the field before they score a touchdown but i certainly would expect the yards per catch average to jump as the season progresses yeah
1: now if you look at the cardinals four uh splash plays let's start off with the Colin you're talking murray. about on sunday on sunday kyle murray to deandre hopkins out of balance for 30 yards that was on first and ten Kyler Murray to Andy Isabella for 26 yards, that was on first and 10. Murray, a short left to Hopkins for 21 yards, that was on first and 10. Murray's pass to left to Hopkins for 18 yards, that was on first down. This guy is a, I mean, besides, I think he's number one on the team in first downs. I think Kyler Murray and Larry Fitzgerald are, are second and third. Kenyon Drake is probably in that equation again, I think because he's only averaging 11.1 is because they really haven't taken shots down the field or the intermediate routes. When you catch seven or eight balls behind the line of scrimmage, and I do think they're extended run plays, um, he's he's taking that and going five to six, seven yards and getting first downs, moving the sticks.
0: Now, is there a concern, and I'm I'm not worried when I look at the numbers, but the specific category is targets. Does this offense need to be a little bit more balanced when you're looking at the wide receivers? Hopkins has been targeted 37 times. The next closest, Larry Fitzgerald, 15. Now, and he was
1: only targeted three times in that previous game.
0: Now, if you're going to leave Hopkins open, I don't care. I'm going to throw him the ball every single time. Yet, do you worry that Murray is too wrapped up in getting the ball to number 10, or do other guys get upset because they're not being utilized within the offense?
1: Well, it's a fine line. Um, If they're not going to cover him, I'm definitely going to throw it to him. But I think Kyler Murray, he hasn't had the start to this season when it comes to the accurate passes. He's, He's sailing some passes. He is trying to sit in the pocket, but as you pointed out, uh, on Monday on Cards Cover 2. Um, there's ways to shuffle in and outside the pocket. You can buy time, and, and, and obviously he can extend plays with his legs. Um, so, um, But I do think you got to spread the ball around. Um, there's going to be a time where Hopkins could be covered. They can double him. And so uh, I like the development of Andy Isabella. A um, little disappointing so far in Dan Arnold. He's had two huge penalties. Uh, I was hyping the train there. I do, I do think they miss Max Williams. Um, But then you know you you got Fitz. Fitz to me is is a first down guy. He finds his sticks. He, he he falls forward, and then you know we'll see the development of of Keyshawn Johnson, and then you know Trent Sherfield looks like he's more reg- regulated on special teams. So, and then Chase Edmonds. So I, I think at some point you got to spread it out. But if teams are not going to double him. um, I think by the second and third quarter, you have to make adjustments, and that's where it will open up for other guys.
0: You brought up the first downs. Now, officially, Hopkins has 21 catches for first downs. Wow! So that's, <laughs> you talk about a go-to receiver, a number one wide receiver that was lacking on this team a year ago. So certainly someone that is going to be a lot of the offense. You just wonder, does it have to be a little bit less heavy on Hopkins now I'm okay with that especially if you're getting first downs and you're moving the sticks and you're making first downs and all of a sudden you're getting close to the end zone and eventually scoring yet I can certainly understand the argument that well you can't just have one guy and forget about everyone else I don't think everyone else is being forgotten it's just right now it just has it's it's top heavy right
1: now well if, if you want to go down that route I don't think Keyshawn Johnson should have been targeted seven times now Uh, I heard Wolfley say on the air on Monday um, that a little birdie told him that there's a connection between Kyler Murray and Keyshawn Johnson, and that probably goes back to the rookie class. Uh, You know, they spent a lot of time at the facility last year, and and obviously Isabella, um, but at the end of the day – you know, Keyshawn Johnson's got to become a better route runner. He's got to come back for the ball. He can have the drops. You you got to make sure you're in position to make the uh, the back shoulder uh, catch. They work on that in practice. So, um, I would take a, some of those targets. Now, if he's open, he's got to catch the ball. But I would divvy up some of those targets to other guys. Bird gang, make
0: sure you update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com/app. For more, It is a Tuesday edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. You brought up Keyshawn Johnson and the connection with Kyler Murray going back to the 2019 draft class. The other member of that draft class, Andy Isabella, and here is where I'm really excited because I think perhaps that light switch has flipped on. He has figured things out, and I say that just because we've now seen Isabella in back-to-back games. It's not the roller coaster. It's not flashing, but back-to-back games now. It's not a lot of catches. It's not a lot of yards. But it's when those catches are happening and what is he doing when he makes those catches, specifically on Sunday, two touchdowns, the only two touchdowns thrown by Kyler Murray in that game.
1: Well, Christian Kirk's on the shelf, and we don't know his time frame. And right now he's a number three receiver. And, uh, you know, he's – I don't know if there's there's another guy that's made the jump from one year to the next year, and got to give him a lot of credit. I thought he was overwhelmed last year. I don't think he played with a lot of confidence. I I think his head was spinning, and he spent the entire offseason, you know – you know, finance, um, tooling up his catch ability versus catching with his hands versus body. Um, he's well-coached from Dave Rye and Jerry Sullivan, and he believes he's he, he, he can play in this league, and I think he's shown that. So I think is a great option. Um, I like Christian Kirk. That means Andy Isabella will be your fourth uh, wide receiver after Fitz and Hopkins. That means you're a little bit deeper. But he's got a different skill set. He, he's got the speed. Um, I think both are effective on the bubble screens and the jet sweeps. Um, but I think Andy Isabella is is, is is a guy that's saying, hey, I was worthy of taking in the second round because there's a lot of pressure on him last year. And then let's be honest, I mean, DK Metcalf is doing really well. He's obviously playing with the veteran quarterback. There's other receivers that was drafted at, after Isabella. Um, And when you're drafted that high, you're supposed to produce. But I I think he's quieting some of the critics right now. Uh, Small sample, but I definitely look like his uh, upside. Now, he's played all three games, but he's only caught passes in the last two
0: games. So six catches for 114 yards and two touchdowns for Isabella. And he's not just a deep threat. That is what you like to see as far as his development You see him on the field, and it doesn't signal to the defense, all right, watch the deep ball. And I think that's what he was a year ago. But this season, it's coming across the middle. He had a great over-the-shoulder catch for his first touchdown on Sunday. Maybe a better throw than it was a catch. But still, you're looking over your right shoulder with a defender breathing down your neck, and you're trying to make sure you secure the football, first of all. And then second of all, make sure you get not one, but two feet inbounds before you go out of bounds. So I think his footwork has improved and the fact that he is now running multiple routes as opposed to just saying, hey, go long and we'll try to connect.
1: Yeah, we were fortunate enough to be in the press box for that throw and the throw was perfect. I mean, the spiral just floating in the air and I'm looking, I'm looking and I'm looking and you just see Isabella's hands come out, gets both feet in. What a remarkable catch and throw, and that's based on their chemistry over the last year and a half.
0: Isabella, after that ball game on Sunday, quote, My mind was one of the biggest things that was holding me back. Let a lot of people get in my mind, and I think me changing my mindset where I work so hard for this, and there's no reason why I shouldn't go out there with an edge, end quote. Now maybe he had a lot of people offering advice, and that's certainly happenings. I don't think he was talking about you know getting bad advice or you know friends and family, agents or whomever. You know, hey, you should be doing this. You should be getting that. I just think there were a lot of people telling him or helping him out, propping him up, and say, this is what we expect. This is what you can do, and he just had to kind of figure out to block out some of that focus on David Rye, Jerry Sullivan, Larry Fitzgerald, and DeAndre Hopkins, and just narrow his focus on what he does so well. And first and foremost is catching the football with his hands as opposed to off his body into his
1: hands. Yeah, and, and the Cardinals feel comfortable enough, uh, even though Christian Kirk's on the, sh- on the shelf, that he can return punts. I mean, we know the te- uh, the punt rule. You better possess the ball and know the 10-yard rule. Uh, hopefully it goes in the end zone so you can take it out at the 25. But, yeah, he's he's definitely improved, and I don't think he's thinking about it like he did in the past. I mean, when you can play more freely and more confident, you can play a lot faster, and you're seeing it. Uh, we've been in that locker room last year. He was, he was a quiet guy. He was with the wide receivers. He's never flashy. There were times that Larry would have to drag him to an interview. Um, I think he was just trying to trying to find out what it's like to be a pro, and now he he knows that. So to me, his focus is on just getting better, whether it's route running, catching the ball, uh, learning more about the uh, the the ounces of the offense. But I think I think the way he's played right now, it gives the team another weapon on offense.
0: It's funny you bring up the pre COVID nineteen days when we were actually allowed to go into the <laughs> locker room, and how many times did we see Larry Fitzgerald, Trent Sherfield, Christian Kirk, and then. Where's Andy? He's he's either not there during the 45-minute availability or he's making sure he's not seen or turning his back. It's not like he can't speak or doesn't want to. It's just he feels more comfortable out of the spotlight than in the spotlight, and he's one of those guys that everyone loves him. How many times have you heard Kyler Murray say, I love Andy? Every single time a question is asked to the quarterback about his young wide receiver, it's, I love Andy. And then Larry Fitzgerald, anytime Isabella does something on the field, is one of the first, if not the first, to go over there, congratulate him, pat him on the helmet, hit him on the backside, and say good job. This team wants Andy Isabella to succeed, not because he's good. We know that. I think it's because they understand the work that he has put in yes. all the time and energy to be at this level, and all of a sudden I think now we're starting to see the benefits of that.
1: Well, I mean, he's wearing number 17. It makes him look younger, and he looks like he's 18 years old. So you're kind of rooting for a guy that, quote, could be an underdog. He went to UMass, not a lot of scholarships. He did get a chance in playing some big games. He was targeted in, that, in the SEC games, but they root for a guy like that. I mean – And then you look at, you know, a guy like Keyshawn Johnson came out of another small school and Hakeem Butler. Um, you know, obviously, they didn't go to the big schools and get all the scholarships, so I think they root for a guy. And you know how much work he's put in, and now you're starting to see the fruits of the labor. So um, I don't. Uh, he's well liked in the locker room, and I know a lot of people rooting for him. And and he's not letting anybody down now.
0: You brought up his special teams work, and I'm glad you did. And on the paper, you're looking at his stats. He only has one return for one yard, three fair catches, but he's catching the ball and if you don't yes if you don't have a Christian Kirk you need someone back there and we hoped it would be Isabella at the start of the season that was the discussion we had in training camp because you're looking for a role for him as a fourth wide receiver how do you get him on the field how do you utilize his speed if he's not part of the three wide receiver sets and you only have him on the field for a limited number of snaps when he's that fourth wide receiver but if he can get some space catches the ball, concentrate, that's first and foremost. Just catch the ball, and then your eyes go from up to forward and try to make a defender miss, and then we'll see if we can't find out how much adept he is as far as making guys miss
1: and breaking off a long return. All right, two examples. The deep ball that he caught from Kyler Murray, okay, and then last week the touchdown pass in the end zone. His hands were in the and arms were in the air both times. He doesn't make that catch maybe a year ago where he, he elbows would be into the chest hoping to basket catch it or body catch it. You're supposed to, you're taught to catch the ball with your hands i right, try your hands and then bring it into your chest. He was keeping his elbows on his chest, trying to catch it with his body. He's no longer doing that. That is a huge improvement, and it had to be a mind over matter, and we know how much time he spends on the jugs machine in the offseason when he's back home.
0: Cardinal fans, subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go, like Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Rage, The Cardinals Red Sea Report, and of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. Say I told you, MJ, there were some positives coming out of Sunday and I would feel better after a couple of days. You know, there's that 24-hour rule and we've waived it to 48 hours after a loss or after a win, I should say. After losses, maybe I can make it a 10-hour rule.
1: You know, I'm going to have to go back to that segment and, and uh, benchmark that because that that was great. And, again, I couldn't agree with you more. Just there's 16 games and they know it. Um, and, I, and I don't mean to be redundant here, but teams just – Got to avoid losing streaks. So get back in the in the winner column, uh, and then we'll focus on the next game, and then we'll focus on the next game. But I do think this team, uh, these next three games are very winnable.
0: And certainly within this division that is so highly competitive and stacked that you just can't afford to lose games in which you were favored to win or expected to win because you look at the NFC West right now, the Seahawks are 3-0. and 49ers Rams and Cardinals are all two and one as we take a look at how the rest of the division fared in week three and let's start with the only undefeated team in the division Seattle beating the Cowboys 38 to 31 offensively the Seahawks are on a roll Russell Wilson five more passing touchdowns he's got 14 through three games that is an NFL record Pete Carroll quote you're watching a great football player do what he does best, end quote. All this talk about Russell Wilson and not receiving an MVP vote, now all of a sudden all you hear is that Wilson is the odds-on favorite. Through three games, he's your most valuable player.
1: Yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is up there. I'm, I'm sure Patrick Mahomes, based on you know he, how he played on Monday night, but I, I – right now and I told you Chris Collins were, didn't turn in his vote so he would have had one vote and we wouldn't have this conversation but he just gets better um, and you know Metcalf was uh, hot dogging it and but Tyler Lockett, um, Chris Carson, um, they got different weapons but just keeping his eyes down the field I, I was telling you I watched like three or four different highlights of Quality quarterbacks, and he keeps his eyes down the field. Even even though he gets outside the pocket, he's not ready to run right away. Um, He allows the, the the wide receivers to to get open because you can't plaster covers for six seven seconds. So, what he's doing is remarkable, and. I don't see him slowing down, and you know, obviously they, they don't have the greatest offensive line. I think that gets overlooked because he covers up a lot of those blemishes. Uh, Kyler Murray has not been sacked like he was a year ago, but you you look at Russell Wilson right now; he's completing 77% of his passes. He has one interception.
0: His numbers are phenomenal, and you brought up DK Metcalf. He should have had 15. 15- Passing touchdowns, but Metcalf had the ball poked out for a touchback as he slowed up before crossing the goal line. And according to Pete Carroll, that won't happen ever again because I'm sure he got a talking to on the sidelines and then on film study as well.
1: Well, look up the points. There. look at the points they're putting up. They go to Atlanta in Week One, 38-25. Uh, they host the uh, Patriots on Sunday Night Football. They put up 35, and then last week they put up 38. Now, they have to put
0: up these points because their defense is dead last in yards per game, second to last in yards per play, and their passing defense is allowing better than 430 yards through three games. So now, is this numbers that Russell Wilson is putting up by necessity? I've heard that argument. Or is he just that good and can you keep up this pace if your defense is consistently going to give up 400 plus yards every single Sunday?
1: Well, it's a fair because, you know, we talk about the Seahawks putting up all these points, and you're exactly right. They have 15 touchdowns on the season. You know how many touchdowns they give up? 14. Now they are outscoring their opponents 111 to 86. But you're right. That's a good point. Um, but I just think when you got a guy like that, um, what do they say? Let Russ cook now?
0: Yes, that was the hashtag that was trending, and apparently that's been a talk the last couple of years that they felt Wilson was being held back, if you will.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's that's got to be hard for Pete Carroll. He loves to play great defense, run the football, win field position, you know, maybe get a special teams or defensive touchdown. Um, but th- this has got to be hard for him to allow this because he likes to grind it out. He's a defensive-minded head coach, but if they're putting up points, hey, that's the NFL
0: couple of injury items on the Seahawks. Running back Chris Carson suffered a knee strain on a tackle that uh, Carroll did not like. And then safety Jamal Adams, day-to-day with a groin injury, and we just touched on that defense giving up so many yards. If you lose Adams, then all of a sudden, uh, I don't know what to expect because the Seahawks this week going on the road to the 1-2 Dolphins.
1: Yeah, and that's they're traveling cross-country. That's going to be an early start, same time as the Cardinals. You know, Miami um, – they obviously play Jacksonville. Ryan Fitzpatrick's throwing the ball. He's a guy that can throw like Russell Wilson. He could throw four touchdowns or four interceptions. Maybe Wilson hasn't done that. Um, but Brian Flores will have that team prepared. We'll see if the Seahawks can continue to win and be atop of the NFC West.
0: All right, let's move on to the 49ers. They are 2-1, and one, winning at the Giants 36-9, to and they do so without Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and Raheem Mostert. Nick Mullins with his first start since December of 2018 passed for 343 yards and a touchdown with no interceptions. Yes, it's a win against the Giants who are winless, yet it's a win for the 49ers who are banged up and continue to add players to injured reserve the latest was tight end jordan reed because of a knee issue
1: yeah he's had a hard time staying healthy you know i i know people are going to say well they played the jets and the giants in back-to-back weeks they went to the Greenbrier and you know they, they held the jets to 13 points and the giants to nine i don't care uh, listen the cardinals are going to play b- both of those teams we're going to see the Jets, and we're going to see the Giants at some point, and and maybe they'll be a better team at that point. But to hold an NFL team, and I know Darnold's struggling, and I know Daniel Jones, a new head coach there, they're struggling. But to hold a two two teams to less than 22 points, that's impressive to me.
0: Well, and now they get to come home and host a winless Eagles team, which is 0-2-1, and this is – A benefit of the schedule that the 49ers have, because as banged up as they are, they very well could be winless and just dropped off the face of the NFC. But because of the opponents that they're facing and the injuries that their opponents have as well, they're able to scratch and claw and get a couple of wins. That now with the
1: backup quarterback, yeah.
0: Not now. Not only are they, you know, they're still in the race, and who knows if they get healthy. You know, they become a factor within the division.
1: Yeah, as long as they can survive this. I mean, I'm looking at their receiving. Jordan Reed is the top receiver with 11 catches, and he's a tight end. Then you throw in uh, Brandon Ayuk, finally got a chance to play. He had seven catches for 91 yards. They rely on their running backs, Mosert, McKinnon, uh, uh, Kyle Juszczyk, and then obviously Greg uh, George Kittle, excuse me, he's he only he's been injured. So I wonder if they're going to roll with Nick Mullins again. Um, obviously, they're comfortable with him being the backup quarterback. It's like they didn't go out and spend a ton of money. And the Eagles are struggling with uh, Carson Wentz. Um, they may see some Jalen Hurts, but that's a home game for the Niners. If they survive this, I don't care who they played, it's impressive to me that they're still going to be in the race. Well, you brought it up last week. If you have an opponent, and I think
0: – no one will say this out loud, but last week it was why rush Garoppolo back if you're playing a Giants team that is not very good. And then, of course, the issues at MetLife Stadium that the 49ers believe a lot of their injuries came from. You come home to play an Eagles team that is still looking for its first win. Why rush Garoppolo, especially if Mullins is going to throw for over 300 yards?
1: And he's been in the system. I True. mean, you know, when, when Garoppolo went down – uh, two years ago, initially they went with C.J. Beathard, but then Nick Mullins came in. And Nick Mullins, I'm not mistaken, he went to the same school as Brett Favre. So he's, he's got that gunslinger mentality. I, l- I listened to him yesterday do an interview with Brett Favre on Sirius, and he grew up watching Brett Favre, and they become really good friends. So I, I think he has that mentality where he's a tough guy. He's not afraid to make those throws. And for a backup quarterback, that's a great luxury to have on your roster.
0: Yeah, you never want to see the backup quarterback play, yet if you've got someone who is a veteran who's been in the system, yep. then you feel much better about your odds, and that's where a, a Stanton came in and was always that you know safety blanket, if you will, whether it was here or in Cleveland. Guys like that can survive in this league for a very long time. And I don't
1: think Kyle Shannon has to change his offense. No. Nope. And he's a little bit more mobile. Uh, than jimmy garoppolo i mean they're both obviously garoppolo's the guy because of the money in the draft pick they gave up um but again he, he, again if he started the rest of the season i think he, there would be some flaws but for him to come in and spot starts and get a chance to prepare every single week uh, until jimmy comes back i think he benefits for playing on Sundays
0: the other team in the division the other team that lost on Sunday the Rams losing at Buffalo 35 to 32 this was an interesting game because for a while though the Rams were getting blown out it was 28 to 3 with 805 remaining and then Jared Goff rallied the troops four straight scoring drives they take the lead and had the advantage going into the final minute and then some controversy depending on which side of the fence you are on, the Rams or the Bills. But Josh Allen throws a touchdown that wins it for Buffalo, but it was a play before that set up by a pass interference penalty 4th and 8 from the Rams 13-yard line with 25 25 seconds left and Darius Williams was flagged for interfering with Gabriel Davis the Rams certainly did not think it was interference the Bills took advantage and come away with the 3-point win and hand the Rams their first loss they are 2 and 1
1: well i was watching that game in the press box and and there were some calls earlier in that game that buffalo felt like they were on the wrong end and just and you, you hate to have payback but this is something interesting because I, I thought you look at Jared Goff, he's got to be in the perfect system. He's got to have the perfect running game. Uh, we know that Cooper Cup's probably one of the better slot receivers. You look at what Woods is doing there. They, they they got Tyler Higbee and Jared Everett as their tight end. According to Sean McVay, this is the best game that Jared Goff has played since he's been there. His accuracy, he's completing 70% of his passes. He has five uh, touchdowns and only two interceptions. Uh, he's only been sacked four times. So I always thought that, you know, he needed to be, um, you know, force-fed the play and, and the coverage. But it looks like he's starting to groom in there. And this is a year I thought maybe the Rams would step back. But, you know, Aaron Donald, he leads a team in sacks with three already. Uh, Michael Brockers, they got Leonard Floyd there. Um, they feel like their defense will get better as the season progresses, so um, I don't think anybody's ready to throw dirt on the Rams right now.
0: Well, when we talk about running back by committee. Cam Akers inactive on Sunday because of a rib injury, and Darrell Henderson comes up with his first career start, and all he does is go for a career-high 114 yards and a touchdown, and McVeigh earlier this week said, sure, he would certainly roll with Henderson once again this week if needed. So, Next man up mentality is working for the Rams, and that offense, maybe it's not going to take a step back here this season.
1: Yeah, you look at Henderson, uh, according to that, you know, the last game, but he's averaging five, seven uh, yards of carry, two touchdowns. And then Malcolm Brown, um, he's averaging four yards of carry. He's got two touch, rushing touchdowns. And then they use Robert Woods, kind of like the Cardinals, you Christian Kirk, he's got seven um Rushing for 63 yards and a touchdown. So they're doing it more by committee. But I do think if you're McVay, you find the hot hand, you roll with that. And Henderson's a really tough back. He's able to push the pile. You know, you look at their top three receivers, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Tyler Higbee. Um, So I I think that's the recipe for the Rams. And I thought they would go a lot of uh, 12 personnel because of the tight ends. But I was reminded they got Cooper Cup one of the best slot receivers in football. So you're going to see them go with 11 personnel, three wide, one tight, and one one back. The Rams this
0: week host the winless Giants. So on paper, <laughs> you look at what the division is facing this week, the Panthers, the Giants, the Eagles, the Dolphins, those teams combined for two wins. And you look at the rest of the NFC West, Seahawks,
1: 49ers, Rams, and Cardinals, a combined 9 and 3
0: through three weeks.
1: Well, it wouldn't be a surprise if the NFC West goes 4 0, and it's got to start with the Cardinals. Absolutely. Yes.
0: It always starts with the Cardinals. Well, and I, literally, because they start at 10 a.m.
1: Yeah, the, 10 a.m., and then <laughs> Seahawks, Dolphins at 1, and then you got the Giants and Rams coming up an afternoon game. And then, as you mentioned, the Sunday night game is the Eagles. At the uh, 49ers.
0: So that is a look at what happened in Week Three inside the NFC West. Of course, the Cardinals this week at Carolina, 10 a.m. kickoff. So 5:30 a.m. the pregame coverage begins here on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. So wake up and spend your day Sunday with the Arizona Cardinals. So again, feeling much better, MJ. We've put the Detroit loss behind everyone and now with Wednesday coming up you can focus on the Panthers and as we've heard it's probably going to be more about the Cardinals correcting mistakes as opposed to trying to figure out what the Panthers do. On to Carolina. Well said. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Special thanks, as always, to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.